Hey guys, you are listening to Lost in the Groove. Uh, our sponsor today is Anchor. And as always, you guys can check us out on Patreon, uh, which is Lost in the Groove. <sighs> today is a very unfortunate day, a very sad day in American history. It's 9 11. Today marks a scar in the history of the people of the United States. On September 11th of 2001, at 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower, the World Trade Center, causing the building to go up in flames and trapping hundreds of people. Not long afterwards, at 9.03 a.m., United Airlines Flight 175 hit the South Tower of the World Trade Center, causing it also to go up into flames. Now as seen on television, a horror film that feels like a story of fiction. Two 110 floor towers up in fire, and thousands of people are trapped, or crushed, or dead by debris. By 10.28 in the morning, the last tower had fallen, causing smoke to rise around the area, destroying buildings nearby, killing people on the street, and this toxic, toxic dust cloud that not only affected so many, but still affects them to this day. This day is remembered not just because of the terror, but the sheer that innocent people, mothers, fathers, daughters, brothers and neighbors, and friends, all died. All for the sake of proving a sick point. Whether our government or some other form caused this attack, that doesn't matter. That day marks a time when people thought they could mess with the American people. It is wrong. We're not weak. And we don't give in. We are the United States, proud of people of hope, a proud people who believe in freedom, who say that no matter how many people must stand, we'll never give up, we'll never forget those 2,606 people who died that day in the World Trade Center. Their death will never be in vain. We'll, We'll never forget the time that they thought they could take our freedom. They were wrong. I would like us to take a moment of silence for this day of mourning and a day to thank all firefighters, paramedics, and the police department for risking their lives 20 years ago to save others. To all those families that lost their heroes, we will be forever in your favor and give thanks to your families for your fought for our nation on that day that we had to fight for our freedom. For this, we say thank you. Thank you for protecting us, and thank you for being there for when we needed you most. Here's to we the people, for the people, by the people. The land and the nation of the United Peoples of of this American continent. Very well said. Thank you, David. You're welcome. It's a... it's quite a memory, you know, I, I, I watched it as it happened and media replayed it over and over again. It's a, it's a horrible thing to have occurred. So we should take a moment of silence now and in remembrance of all those people that were lost 
of all the people that sacrificed their lives to save as many as they could. All right, so what do you remember of it, David? I don't know, like what, you know, what, how old were you at the I time? Was, I was two years old. Okay. So and when, and when did you uh, actually like discover the, uh, the actual incident? When did you start reading about it or looking into it? When I was five and a half. We went into New York City to see my sister. She lived in Brooklyn at the time. And we passed the World Trade Center. And if people do not remember this, even five years, yeah, about three or four years after the World Trade Center, there was still smoke that was coming out of the ground. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I was passing by and I said to my father, I said, what is that? Why is there smoke? And it's just ground. And my father told me and he, me as a five-year-old child, just sitting there and thinking, how could this be real? I thought we live in a world that's safe. And I remember this hit me when I was in high school when Sandy Hook got attacked. I was mortified because I grew up as a kid where we didn't need security in a school. You don't come into a school with a gun. I didn't grow up in that generation. Their kids are growing up in th this generation now where that there is that problem. So I can kind of understand of how people thought before 9-11, you know, who, who attacks, who attacks a world trade that who attacks skyscrapers? Like it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you want to be a ruthless terrorist organization, you want to hit and make a profit off of it. They didn't make a profit. They actually lost a profit. Because the World Trade Center had a lot of global businesses. And of course, they had ties with terrorist organizations. So they're they're attacking their own financial. But the thing is, 9-11 happened. So did Sandy Hook. They happened. Yeah, I mean, they're I think they're they're not they're not exactly related, but no, you know, you, 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 know, you say, what was the motivation? I mean, um, I, you know, I saw it. I witnessed it. It was eight. It was eight twenty, eight thirty in the morning, and uh, I was probably in sixth grade or something. Uh, and we were all notified of what had happened. It was, you know, pretty terrifying. But it wasn't about profit. I mean. Uh, you know, you fast forward 20 years, you look at it presently. What's what is terrorism really about? Um, well, they were trying to make a statement and uh, and create terror in people. Uh, and like we like we talked about moments ago. Um, trying to understand, like, how did this even happen? Why? Why would it happen? Um, you, you really got to kind of go back through history and see who these people were, how do they come to be? Um, and then obviously the most important question, like how the hell did they get their hands 
uh, or how do they get access to, you, you know, think about who, think anybody, about this. Think, think about this for a second. The World Trade Center was attacked before 2001. Correct. 1993. There was a bombing yeah. in the uh, garage underneath. So there was already a terrorist attack. They knew it was a terrorist attack. I don't understand if they can bomb the garage. What's the difference of actually destroying the building? A lot of people do not know this. They actually started putting fireproofing in the World Trade Center right after the bombing in 93. The one of the towers only did three floors and the other one they did 18. Why didn't they finish? So according to what I've read was they didn't have enough time. That's one thing. Another thing was they stopped because the development company for the buildings uh, ran out of supposedly supplies. So they yeah, weren't com- they weren't completely. I can believe that. But. You know, the 93 attack, you would say, you know, why, why, you know. Why not go that route again? I mean, it wasn't effective. Again, you want to create terror on mass. It, 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 it wasn't successful. It was a, it was a failed attack because uh, though I'm sure people were hurt or were killed by it, it was, it didn't have the impact that uh, the terrorist organization at the time may have been looking for. But like I said, we have to, we have to look at the, like the origin point of where these people even came to be. Um, you know, the, the thoughts were at the time it was Al Qaeda or Osama bin Laden and these types of individuals that were radicalized. And, and then through the years, what did we find out? We find out that these were also, these were also people that we trained, we armed in the, the Soviet uh, Afghanistan incursions in the 80s. You know, they, like that is a reality that is substantiated through uh, actual facts that we that we've been getting over time, probably FOIA releases as well. Um, again, it begs the question of how did these guys even get on a plane without being noticed? These were Saudi, the, the people on these planes that took them over and slammed them into these buildings. They were, they were Saudi nationals had nothing yeah. to do. They had nothing to do with Al Qaeda. And yeah. so again, again, over, over a period of many years after the fact, um, a lot of these things started coming out, but people forget people stop asking questions. There's also, there's also another, I, I, I did a lot of research on this. There was another problem where they went through security with box cutters. So there was a bunch of people running this bullshit online that, oh, back then you could bring a knife on a plane and you didn't have any problems. That's not true. You could not bring a a knife onto a plane. The rule actually was is if you were a person that had fisherman equipment, you know, um, fishnets, fish rods, you could not get on a plane without a fisherman's license. They would not let you bring your equipment. No, there was no yeah. excuse. Another thing was like they went on the plane without ID. That existed <clears throat> before. No, it did not. 
Back then, you needed some form of identification, whether it be a piece of paper or a document or photograph or something. You can get on a plane with a college ID card. No, you needed needed ID. It doesn't matter. You're not flying domestically anywhere within the country. Without identification. Without identification. Like, you're not going through any terminal without being identified, without a passport, without, you know, a boarding ticket with identification. It's just, that's silly. So the, the point is, they got on a plane with box cutters. They got on a plane without identification papers. They also got on a plane looking like terrorists. If you ever look at the photographs and videos, they look like terrorists. And another problem, I told you this before, was traffic control. They had an hour and 30 minutes to get from Boston. They hijacked the plane about 25 minutes in the year, according to the black box. So they had an hour to find out why that plane was not answering. What did they do? Nothing. Nothing. They did absolutely nothing. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. They saw what happened with Pan Am and the other flights before. They knew about the terrorist attacks that existed. They had an infrastructure to deal with terrorists, but they didn't do anything. And and most certainly there's so many other like things that come up that make you question the narrative that make you question like what what really happened then i mean there were there were three planes two four well three went three were successful one wasn't that was delta 93 ah no, 93 so, so, so four two went into the towers one went into the pentagon pentagon right and then there was one that they didn't, weren't sure where it was going but they claim it either was the white house or the or the u.s capitol building um, we were able to stop that one. Yeah, that one. The there were four passengers that actually took over the hijackers and they crashed the plane. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. And then we did see the debris. Uh, yes. Of that, of that one. It was in Pennsylvania. Uh, it was on a yeah. field. You know, there's actually there's actual footage, too, man, from nearby surveillance cameras of the one for the Pentagon that surfaced uh, years later. And, it, you know, whether it's true or not, it actually looked like a ballistic missile, not not an airplane. When you look at the when you look at the scene of the um, uh, of uh, the Pentagon site, you see. You see, like, parts of this plane scattered, but none of it looked like um, none of it looked genuine. Like it had collided into the building. So what Not actually make- had to that? What happened to that other flight? That other plane. So there was four planes. Yeah, the one that went into the Pentagon supposedly didn't even have the correct size. If you look at the explosion and and the um, and- yeah, if you compare them to the world, because the thing about plane, this is another thing. Also, is planes when they um explode actually jet fuel is mostly kerosene if you know anything about kerosene it kind of diffuses after a few minutes so it you basically left with flames but they're hot enough to maybe melt plastic and other type of materials they're not hot enough to melt metal yeah they're not hot enough to melt steel beams this is a good point you bring up because a lot of engineers years later who had analyzed the information, a lot of them stepped forward and said, that's not possible. 
so the jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to melt structural beams, especially ones that were in the World Trade Center. Which were built to withstand 200 miles per hour of winds. Yep. I mean, and let's go back a little bit further. People don't know that in World War II, there was a B-2 bomber that collided into the Empire State Building. Yeah, 1943. That building still stands. Empire State is still there. Now, if anybody is not familiar, a Beamer, these planes were bomber planes. They had bombs. They were extremely explosive. You know, Nazis um, during World War II actually tried attacking those planes in midair because they knew if that plane was coming, they're screwed. But this plane attacked a building that was built in the 30s that did not have the same infrastructure as the World Trade Center. Trade Center, yep. And if you look at some of the photographs, it was <sighs> massive damage on the 77th floor of the Empire State Building. It was in flames, but it survived from a bomb from a bomber. Like I, this I is know, not a. I don't know if the bomber had any uh, any ordinance. I don't think it did, if I remember correctly, and I may not. But um, but still, the building still stands. If we but. Getting back to, let's say, the Pentagon, that was an interesting uh, crash site. If you look at it, there were no indications that the wings had collided in to that building because it was just, a, it was just see, a big blob, just a big hole. There was there was no, you know, damage right, to the compared side of the to, building right, compared where to the wings would have. Yeah. Right. Compared to the World Trade Center, where you can clearly see it was like a slit. Yep. So it's like a long slit. Yeah, it's it's uh, bizarre. It, it, the evidence is really bizarre, but the shock value and 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 all of it did most certainly terrorize people. They didn't question. Um, nobody questioned it right away. Anyways, it took so a number. What I'm thinking of years. So what I'm think what I'm possibly thinking and kind of this is kind of a little bit of conspiracy, but it, in theory is. Those flights that went up, they knew they were they knew what they were. They sent the planes to get rid of them and they probably whatever got rid of those planes. But in their place, they put these. Missiles that were disguised to look like planes. Because a missile could technically collapse two hundred and ten floor buildings. A missile can destroy and make a pretty big gap like that in the World Trade Center. So they. Could have been disguised planes. You know, I don't I don't think so. Think about this. Also, if you ever look at the planes that crash into the World Trade Center, you know how airlines, they have their their wings are usually painted. Yeah. Did you ever notice that none of the planes have their wings were painted? They're white. They're both they're both solid white. That could have, yeah, that could have been so. That's something. It's some indication of something. I don't know exactly what. I mean, that's not there, normal. There, there, there are people. There are people who who had conspiracies like over a decade ago. You know, talking about how they were holograms. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember it. It was just kind of like, you know, that's an interesting thought. Um, I doubt it, but it's an interesting thought that people would uh, consider that they were just holograms 
being used. We don't um, have that type of technology. Or, or do we? I don't know. You know, uh, it's for 2001, we don't know what DARPA is working on. Um, but still, like, let's assume that the the planes were absolutely real. They wait, maybe, maybe real. wait a minute. This is actually a, a pretty logical thing. They could have loaded the plane with bombs in the the cargo, the cargo department, the, the cargo area. Now, if they put bombs. That could technically still, could that still burn uh, hot enough to to melt steel? Oh, beams? yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of ordinance we're talking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, it, you know, apparently weeks before there was conspiracies about. Uh, the World Trade Center being shut down for for uh, a few days and that teams had come in to make precision cuts into the steel beams. And then they were putting uh, and they were uh, lining up, uh, uh, I mean, thermite de- detonators, I think. I think that's what it was, that upon detonation, they would literally just cut right through these things no problem but you again you look at the demolition experts that came forward months and years after the fact um uh what do you call it uh people who uh, who understood explosions um fire structural and otherwise like all of them were speaking up and saying like this none of this makes sense you know Demolition experts were saying, well, it pancaked. The, the only way it would pancake like that is if it were a planned demolition. Yeah, because if you think about also the way that the towers collapsed, um, listen to the people that the firefighters are in there and the people that were still in the building. They all say, all of a sudden we felt a rumbling, like the building started to shake. And we hear bang, bang, bang. Here's the interesting thing, okay? Probably when you have when you have a building that's on fire and the beams melt and it collapses, most of the time the building will bend. Will bend, yeah, 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 and start to crumble and usually kind of like a like a like a tsunami. It will start crumbling and just kind of falling down. It never collapses like a pancake, right? That never happens. Any scientist and and um, engineer will tell you this. The only way that a building collapses is detonation. That's how they destroy old buildings. They do right. a detonation on one of the floors, and also you can just see the buildings start just just falling apart. That's it's it's it's, it's definitely like uh, it's suspect, you know, because uh, all the all the all the signs of <clears throat> the things that you would expect to have happened from something of that type didn't happen and instead you see a very controlled kind of situation and and this may upset people you know they may have families that were in those buildings they may have had we're not saying by the way we're not saying that the people that died that day died in vain you know the firefighters that went in there and that they died they, they were helping people either whatever was planned whatever like they went in there trying to save lives because that's their job. So whoever died, we honor them. They're not they didn't die for a lost cause. 
they die doing you, what their job is. You, you know, what's what's crazy is John Stewart. Um, he's been fighting Congress for like 20 fucking years trying to get some kind of compensation for those firefighters who later on, all of them became incredibly ill from the shit that they had to breathe in trying to save lives. Cancer. And I'm, but 20 years, it, it, you know, for, for a, a TV host, you know, a late night host and comedian to take up that fight, you know, why, you know, why, why did, you know, why it, it makes no sense that, you know, somebody like, like him, would need to do that. You know, why isn't Congress addressing this on their, on their very own? Like the, it would make much more sense that they would at least acknowledge that these people need help. It's the same thing with the, the police department where people are like to fund the police to fund the police. I don't like police officers like the rest of everybody. I don't want to get a ticket. I don't want to deal with police officers. However, whether you want to hear this or not, if you're being mugged, or if somebody's going to stab you and running you with your knife, the person that's going to protect you is a police officer. Right. So they have, whether they don't have education, I don't care. They, their job is to protect you. So. And most we, of the time they do. Most of the time they do. And like, you know, to disrespect police officers, firefighters, paramedics, this is their job. They know what they're doing. They know the risks that they take on a day-to-day basis. They know that they can go to work. Even regular firefighters, they're, you know, if they go to a house, a beam can collapse, crush their neck, and they're dead. They they're know dead. that. Yeah, it's a tremendous risk. It, it reminds me of uh, this Republican uh, uh, congressman who said this on camera, like, you know, you guys want to defund police? All right, you know, you can love them or hate them, but the next time you're in trouble, don't call a policeman, call a crackhead. Can't believe that came out of his mouth. You know, but I, I mean, I laughed to, I was just laughing. I was hysterical um, just hearing, uh, you know, a congressman say that. But he makes he makes a valid point that, you know, the ne- you know, the next time you're in trouble, who are you calling? You're calling the police. You're not you're not you know, you're not going to take matters into your own hands. Um, no one's a. You know, no, no one rarely does that. In any situation, it's always nine one one, and uh, they do their jobs. But it still blows me away that when when I was watching some of these Congress hearings that John Stewart was at, and he was begging Congress to do something to provide aid for these people. Um, but again, you look at that situation, whether it's the, you know the Pentagon explosion. Again, I was blown away from seeing that footage. I'm like, how did this even surface? How did this footage even surface on the it internet? It was so he he released a lot of he was a C, he was an ex CIA he was killed uh, quite a number of years ago. He was one that released information and operation paperclip and quite a number of other things. We found out about Al Qaeda actually after nine eleven. We mm-hmm. found out who created nine eleven. Uh, I think he was killed in two thousand nine or two thousand and ten. I don't remember. Uh, but he leaked all the information before before he died. And we found out that Al Qaeda mm-hmm. was created by the, the CIA. Now, they don't want they didn't want us to know this. When we found out, what did the CIA then tell us? Oh, 
we had our reasons because we needed it. And they gave the whole speech about how they needed to protect Afghanistan and it was successful. But the they always said this, the operation cut ties. What the bloody hell does that mean? Operation cut ties. Well, that that means they were no longer useful. I mean, imagine. So imagine that Afghanistan, you know, incursion where so the Soviet Union was trying to seize that uh, that territory. And America is like, well, we need to get involved in a manner that wouldn't suggest we're involved. Well, to imagine the Soviet Union government's, um, you know, uh, kind of situation as they're seeing very expensive equipment like choppers and gunships just falling from the sky. And they're like, where do these guys get surface to air missiles from? And then week after week, they're losing very expensive equipment and they're and they're probably scratching their head. They're like, God damn it. You know, they're getting funding and support from a, a very, very wealthy and powerful influence. Who would that be? Uh, and it's interesting that, you know, you were saying earlier, you know, how was Osama bin Laden as creative as he was, how did he become that way? Well, he was trained. He was trained by our best. And and the purpose of it was clearly to um, push back and uh, really exhaust the funding of the Soviet government. And it was successful. This is where they're saying is like, it was successful, but we cut ties. Well, they were no longer useful. They were successful in, the, in what they were attempting to do, you know, exhausting their... Uh, their um, military capabilities, bankrupting the country, and then basically uh, helping to accelerate the collapse of the Soviet Union. It worked. I mean, um, but after the fact, like, okay, we don't need you anymore. But just like what we saw recently with Afghanistan, what did they do after the fact once they cut ties? All the, you know, all the uh, arms all the missiles, all the, um, you know, RPG equipment. I mean, everything, it was just left there. So what do you think the Afghan, you know, militants do? They stockpiled. Yeah. They stockpiled and then they trained themselves. They trained each other. I sent you, I I sent you this uh, where one of the big key things for America leaving um, Afghanistan was, America is so much in debt with China and Russia to the point where they didn't see anymore that this was worth, you know, they're just going to keep on piling up. So they were like, okay, we're done. We're leaving. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of pathetic, but we're not a superpower as much as America likes to think. And we're getting to a point where I think this country will have to get to a point where we're going to have to survive on what we have in this country, because it will no longer make any more sense from importing goods from other countries, because it's just, it's not feasible. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of making things ourselves. It's going to be, it's going to be one of my, uh, one of the things that I'll be working towards in the near future is figuring out ways to manufacture myself. Um, And of course it's a, it's a long process and potentially an expensive one but um still it's worth it to me i mean you know 
most people may not understand, but it's worth it to me to get back some of that, some of that influence back to our country where we make, where we make some things. We're not going to be able to make everything. China's a, an incredible asset when it comes to manufacturing, but it is what it is. You know, yeah. um, it, it's uh, uh, we gave them that we gave them that ability. So this this power vacuum that's created in Afghanistan, like it was already determined by Trump that we were leaving Afghanistan, but we would leave uh, some support troops. But the the withdrawal of how it happened now is really questionable. Like it makes no sense to first withdraw you know, uh, some equipment, then majority of the troops, and then worry about citizens. It was asked backwards, get the citizens out, right. remove some of the equipment, soldiers remain with some equipment, and then you and then you slowly withdraw 10,000 here, 20,000 there, 30,000 there, and then you leave maybe, you know, 5,000 with some equipment left behind. What we're seeing now is we've potentially left billions of dollars of hardware over there. Most of it um, sabotaged. So yes, we have gunships, we have choppers, um, uh, you know, Humvees, but they've all been sabotaged in a way that makes them inoperable. Supposedly that's what we're told. That's the narrative. Right. Uh, But you still have, you still have weapons, machine guns, ammunition, Various other like these things are just left behind. These are billions of dollars worth of equipment yeah. that they deemed like, well, it's too expensive to bring back. So we're just going to leave them on the battlefield. Like, does that make sense? No. You know, I mean, to to sum this all up, there are there's a lot of conspiracy theories about world about the uh, World Trade Center. And there are a lot of narratives. But the harsh reality is the World Trade Center is not the first and will not be the last. Right. And we need to remember this. Stop trusting the government. Trust your neighbor. Trust your local doctor. Trust your businesses in your community. Trust your community. And and develop critical thinking. Yes. Question everything. Yes. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying become a conspiracy theorist. Um, I'm saying Think for yourself and ask important questions. And um, when things don't add up, it's because they probably don't question everything because, uh, you, you know, what have we learned from FOIA documents over the years is that a narrative is given at first, but when the documents come out, you can clearly see um, what's there, what hasn't been redacted and the the narratives aren't always uh, as accurate to the reports that we end up getting. Yes. 10, 15, 20 years later after the fact. And I feel like, why do they do this? They do this primarily because the people who were alive that were, uh, that would have cared that much when the, the thing did happen, you know, they're going to be way too old to give a damn 20 years later. Right. Yeah. I um, hope everyone has an easy day and take it easy. Just remember that even though things have been difficult and things will be more difficult, but 
remember that you have your family that cares about you. Remember there are people that love you and want the best for you. And most importantly, we got a country of 300 and something million people. There's a lot to learn from those people. And there's a lot to care. Love each other. Yes. Yes.